So, title of the message today, for those of you taking notes, nothing but love, as in I got nothing but love for all of you. Now, if this skit gets you thinking, wait a minute, I was here last week and that's what the message was about. You're right. We're now on to the second half of chapter 14 and Paul is continuing this same conversation. So, so it, is, it is the same thing. But, but today we're going to talk more about um, the why behind what he's asking us to do. He introduced to us this idea that inside the church there would be people with weaker faiths than others. And we know that's okay because a handful of weeks ago we learned that our faith is measured out to us by God himself, not because we're so good or strong or smart or intelligent, but because God has decided how much faith we would have. And this journey along with him, there's nothing for us to brag about. It is all him doing the work in our lives. Amen. And so we're okay understanding that people in the church are going to be at different stages than others. No worries. Now, there are some things, some people who might think things like eating pork is wrong or something like that, you know, and they think that's a sin. And then there's other people that go, no, 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 God says that all food is clean now. We can eat all the pork that we want to eat. And some of you are getting really alert right now because you're stressed about what you're going to order at Sonny's um, after this. And I want you to know it's okay in case you doze off, eat the pork. It's okay. That's not really the point. The point is there are some things, though, some do not doctrinal things, not, you know, make or break your Christianity things, some things that are not necessarily black and white, but they live in these gray areas that the behavior police were teaching us about. You know, the Bible doesn't necessarily say it's right or that it's wrong. But whatever side you find yourself on these disputable matters, Paul teaches us to love the other person. Not to discourage them, not to look down upon them, not to judge them, but to love them. And today's passage is about the why. It's about the motives, what's behind us loving these other people that are different than us or think differently than us. Paul wants to motivate us to look past our differences and love one another for the sake of the kingdom. Can you say kingdom with me? Kingdom. You're going to hear that word a lot today. Now, we struggle with this. In fact, we struggle with a lot of chapters 13 and 14. It sounds really good inside these four walls to talk about putting other people before ourselves, doesn't it? That sounds like the Christian thing to say. But then we walk out and putting that into practice is a much different story. Culture around us is very loud and culture around us is all about me and self. You know that, right? I mean, you see that everywhere you go. The other day, I saw this poor little teenage girl run right into a pole because she was doing this. And I just told my daughter, that better not be you ever. But in case you are not convinced, this past week I was in Houston visiting family and I went to the mall on Wednesday, not one of my favorite places anymore, but there was something at the Houston mall I had never seen before. And in case you've already seen this and known this, if you've spent your money there, I'm sorry because I'm about to make you feel bad, but there was a place in the Houston mall, and it wasn't one of the smaller places. It was one of the bigger places called Selfie Land. Have you heard of this? So let me, this is the logo, Selfie Land. Now there's another picture I took of the whole store. It's big, okay? And the idea is that they've got these little rooms set up and you would pay by the hour a lot of money to go in there to each room and take a picture of yourself because that is what is important. Um, here's another picture. This is my favorite room. That's the, the bathtub 
I was imagining Sid being in there taking a picture <laughs> of himself, and I thought, we got to show that. <laughs> selfie land. Selfie land. Don't waste your money at selfie land, please. We live in a selfie culture. Everyone wants to be front and center. Everyone wants to be the hero of their own story. And that makes all this love one another, put other people in front of you stuff kind of hard for us to practice in this day and time. But the church is supposed to be a unified culture, a selfless rather than a selfish culture. And it's easy to love others and put them first when we realize that Jesus is the true hero of all of our stories. Amen. He is the true hero. So today we're going to read this passage and, and, and see what Paul has to say to us about the whys or the motives behind loving others, even when we disagree inside the church about these certain things. So Romans 14, we're picking up where Sid left off last week. He had just read to us that we are to not put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. And now verse 14, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Can we pray just a short prayer? Father, we thank you for your word. We ask your Holy Spirit today that he would be um, active in this place, helping us to understand it correctly and to apply it to our lives powerfully, Father. I pray that we would be a people that love one another in the midst of our diversity. Amen. Paul begins here in verse 14, going right into this conversation about things that are clean or unclean. He says, nothing is unclean when it comes to food and drink. Nothing in itself is unclean. He was probably familiar with Jesus's conversation with the Pharisees. Okay. Do you remember when the Pharisees were mad about Jesus' disciples for eating before they washed their hands? If it's just pretty unsanitary, you should wash your hands. But that wasn't their point. They were saying, you know, it was a sin to do that. And Jesus called them some pretty harsh words. And then this is what Jesus said. Let me just remind you. In Mark 7, he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. This is your Lord Jesus speaking. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house to left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. 
And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. And this is important for us in case that you hear this message today and think that what I'm saying is all things are okay if you feel good about it. That's not what he's saying. For from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So for Paul, when he is saying that uh, nothing is unclean in itself, he's agreeing with Jesus back in Mark 7, that nothing that man eats defiles him. So things that are like food and drink, they are morally neutral. They have no moral qualities. But then we get this problem here, Paul, in the second half of verse 14. He says, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. Well, that's not confusing because he just said everything is clean. But if a believer feels, even if he's wrong, that certain things are unclean and should not be eaten, then they truly are unclean to him. And if he eats those things, he would be sinning. So the question is, as I'm reading this and I'm studying and I say, well, okay, well, then how does something that is clean become unclean? Is that a fair question? Yes, it is. Paul answers in verses 22 to 23. Let's jump to the end of our passage. What does he mean by this? He is saying that the issue is not merely food and cleanness, but faith and sin. Look at verse 22. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. He says, enjoy your freedom, but keep it between you and God. You don't need to show off or try to convince others to eat or drink what you do. And then he continues. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. That's the good goal. Don't do anything that would go against your conscience. Don't do anything. This is what it means to put a stumbling block in someone's way, getting them to do what their conscience doesn't want them to do. Okay? The goal is that we would have the joy of never doing what we believe is wrong. I love that because, you know, in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah, we get what's called the New Covenant. And God said that no longer would his laws be written on tablets of stone, but they would be written where? In our hearts. When the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells us, the Holy Spirit teaches us how to walk in his ways, teaches us how to understand Scripture properly. So I think that when he's saying, is my conscience clear, is am what I doing going against what the Holy Spirit is teaching me to do? Yeah, I want to I walk in the ways that the Holy Spirit is, is leading me in. Sid gave a great example last week of, uh, of dancing when he felt the Holy Spirit to say, remove yourself from certain environments um, where you used to be okay. It wasn't that this is wrong or this is right, but for him, this was going to be the right thing moving forward was to not be in those environments. That's us listening to the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts. Then in verse 23, Paul shows us why this is so much more serious than food and drink. Look what he says. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So this is a much bigger deal than food and drink. This is faith and sin, which is way bigger deal, way bigger deal. Now we see the answer to the dilemma in verse 14. How can clean become unclean? It's because uncleanness doesn't reside in the food, but it resides in the conscience and the motive. When we act in faith, we are finding our joy and satisfaction in God, which brings him glory. 
When we don't act in faith, we are sinning against God. John Piper does a really good job explaining this, so I'm just going to read what he wrote. He says, if we were acting out of the overflow of contentment in God, then there wouldn't be any overpowering desire to do something we feel is probably wrong. We would relax in God's sufficiency. Isn't that great? We would say, I don't need to do that. I don't believe it's right for me to do that. And I feel no compelling pressure to do it because God is my portion. But if we feel pressure to do what we think is wrong and we yield to that temptation, we are saying, in effect, I need someone else's approval or I need this physical pleasure so much that I will risk defiling my conscience and doing what I believe to be wrong. It's all about the heart. It's about the motive. It's about what the Spirit of God is doing now that He is indwelling us. So what are we to do with this issue where sometimes things are wrong and then sometimes those same things can be okay and sometimes we disagree even inside the church about these things? And remember that this passage we're reading today falls into this bigger, bigger uh, group of scriptures that's all about how we are to treat one another. Mainly, we are to what? Love. One another. It's all about love. So quickly, here today, here's two things for us. Do not put a stumbling block in the way of your brother. Rather, love him because, number one, Christ died for him. Look at verse 15 with me. For if your brother, whenever you see the word brother here in this passage, do me a favor and circle it. He wants this to mean something. This is, this is not just a... A stranger, this is a brother in Christ. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. I love that Paul takes us right to the cross on this issue. The cross is the appropriate place to talk about love and unity, isn't it? John Stott says, did Christ love him enough to die for him? Well, shall we not love him enough from, to refrain from wounding his conscience? Did Christ sacrifice himself for his well-being? And shall we assert ourselves to his harm? Did Christ die to save him? And shall we not care if we destroy him? So what should the strong do? The strong should walk in love. Verse 15 says, walk in love. That's our mandate. Love has regard for the weaker conscience, not judgment. Love will limit its own freedom sometimes even for the sake of the weaker person. Love will ask, am I loving my brother or sister with this action? When was the last time you asked that question before doing something? Am I loving my brother or sister with this action? Because I got to be honest, most of the time before I act, I'm mostly considering myself. The strong are not wrong in their view of food and drink. But they are wrong when they enjoy this freedom in a way that harms other Christians. It sounds something just like something Sid says all the time. He says, sometimes you can be right and still be wrong. There is a lot of wisdom in that statement. See, we can be right about the things that we believe, but we can be wrong in how we act out on them. Especially if we are moving in a way that might harm a brother or sister in Christ. We may need to reorder our priorities. We may need to ask whether we should lay down some of our freedoms. And here's the deal. If we can't lay down a certain freedom, it might be that we are enslaved to that thing rather than enjoying it rightly. If we 
for some reason want to hold on to something so strongly rather than to lay it down in order to love someone better. One author said that exercising Christian liberty is like walking a tightrope. And as you walk the rope with the balancing pole in hand, at one end of the pole is, is, is love for others, and at the other end of the pole is your Christian liberty. And when these are in balance, you're able to walk properly. Christian liberty, yes. Free in Christ, yes. But love for others absolutely is central. You are not the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. And you are part of that church. And we belong to one another. Martin Luther has a famous quote in his work on the freedom of a Christian man. You might want to take a picture of this. This is good to remember. A Christian man is a most free Lord of all, subject to none. Doesn't that sound great? But at the same time, a Christian man is a most dutiful servant of all, subject to all. See, we are all free in Christ. Our only bondage, however, is the bond of love to other Christians. Remember, we talked a couple of weeks ago that the debt of love is never completely repaid. We always owe it. We always owe it. It is our Christian job not only to think about how our actions affect us, but how they affect others. Remember, it's not our freedom that shows our faith to the world, is it? What is it? It's our love. What did Christ say in John 13? By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Love. The strong, mature Christian will sometimes need to limit his freedom out of love for his weaker brothers and sisters. So the first one is that we should not put a stumbling block in the way of our brother, rather love him because Christ died for him. The second thing is that we should love him because the kingdom of God is more important than food. Look at verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Do you hear some of these action words in there? Pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. If I had to choose one memory verse from today's passage, that would be it. Verse 19 so then let us pursue. This is not something that just happens by accident. This is not something that you just all of a sudden will begin to do. You pursue it. You seek after it. Let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. That sentence alone will go against all of this me culture that's all around us. No, I'm going to wake up and pursue what, what, what goes for peace, for mutual upbuilding, not just the upbuilding of my own and my family. The kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and the Holy Spirit. We are righteous in Christ Jesus, and so we have peace with God. And the Holy Spirit indwells us and empowers us and teaches us how to live. And so we have joy. These things are what really matter. The kingdom. Because we are righteous in Christ, we now live a righteous life. We live a peaceful life. We live a joyful life. That is the kingdom of God at work. That is the kingdom of God at work. Paul's argument is that whenever the strong insist on using their liberty to eat or drink whatever they like, even at the expense of the weaker Christian, that they are actually guilty of destroying the work of God. Work of God. You see how he relates the work of God with the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is, is Christ's rule and what is going on, and he is at work. 
and his desires for the church to love one another in unity, even in our diversity. When we destroy the work of God by doing this, we are overestimating the importance of diet or overestimating the importance of our freedom, which is trivial, but we are underestimating the importance of the kingdom, which is central. The importance of the kingdom is what is central. It was Jesus, in fact, in Matthew 6, who called us to what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus didn't say, hey, go seek first after all this great freedom I'm giving you and the cool life that you could have because you're free in all things. Seek first the kingdom. That was central for him. Seek first his righteousness. Then all these things will be added to you. Verse 18 says that the person who does this, the person who sees the kingdom of God as the greater importance, is serving Christ in this way. He says, whoever thus serves Christ, they are acknowledging that food and drink are secondary matters. And look at what it says. They are acceptable to God and approved by men. Isn't that awesome? Acceptable to God and approved by men. I told him in the first service, that'd be a great thing to have on my tombstone one day. Here lies Brian Williams, acceptable to God, approved by men. That's good. And Sid said he would take care of that for me. <laughs> he thinks that I'm going first. <laughs> Don't you want to be a person who is pleasing God and approved by man? Then we look out for others first and their needs and their desires because out of love we want to show them what it looks like to be loved by Christ. We know this love because God has loved us first. Now, verses 19 through 21 encourage us then on how to move forward. Okay, let's get some, some more action words. Verse 19, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. So a couple of things you can write down. A kingdom-minded person will prioritize building up, not tearing down. Building up, not tearing down. A kingdom-minded person will prioritize peace and harmony instead of insisting on your way. You see the difference in, in thinking from the culture that is around us? The culture around you would tell you, you should have your own way. And if anyone is trying to keep you from having your own way, man, you should be against them like they are your enemy. But no, we are to seek peace and harmony, the building up, the not tearing down. And we are to pursue these things. The point is this. Do not do anything that will harm a brother or sister. Do not do anything that will harm a brother or sister. In fact, there will be times where you may need to relinquish freedom to avoid division. Can I say that again? There may be times where you need to relinquish freedom to avoid division. Maybe times. Paul had the same conversation in his first letter to the Corinthians, and I love his encouragement. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. At the end of chapter 10 in verse 31, Paul says this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many. Why? That they may be saved. Do you see Paul's big picture outlook? 
He said, I don't care if they're a Christian, a non-Christian, a Jew, a Greek. It doesn't matter who they are. I'm going to do everything I can to get along with everyone to build up them for the sake that they might come to know Jesus. That is a missionary outlook. And every one of us as Christians is called to that outlook. That every person that we come into contact with, our goal ought to be to not do anything that would mess up a chance for them to meet Jesus that day. How many times have we blown that? Missionary mindset. I want a big picture mind like Paul, that no matter who I come into contact, even if they disagree with me, even if they're against me on every single issue that you can come up with, I don't want to do anything that might cause them to miss out on the love of Christ. So that's it today. Do not put a stumbling block in the way of your brother. Rather, love him because Christ died for him. And number two, the kingdom of God is more important than food. You see, the Christian life is all about living for others. If you signed up for the Christian life for yourself, I'm so sorry that someone confused you. But it is about sacrifice. It is about living for those around you. It is about being a part of the church. It is about being part of the people of God, not just being a person of God. And the founder of our religion, by the way, was all about it. Jesus going to the cross for us is the ultimate example of someone laying down his freedom in order to show love to others, in order to rescue and save others. That was the example set forth for us by Christ. As we go out today, I pray that heritage would be that kind of a story of people, people that are known by their love for one another and for even those outside the door. People that would be known for rejecting the me culture that we live in and that exists all around us and instead embracing the selfless love for one another culture set for us by Jesus. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, you are king of all, Lord of all, creator of all, author of our salvation. And Father, you are love. Our prayer today, Lord, is that the Spirit would be at such work in our hearts that that kind of love would, would be what comes out from us toward others, that we would be willing to even take a back seat or to set aside some of the freedoms we have in Christ for the sake of building up the kingdom, your kingdom, that we would be a selfless culture desiring that all would come to know you. We thank you for the cross of Jesus especially. Amen. Before you leave, isn't he good? Doesn't Brian do a great job? He does a great job. You get out early to go to lunch. Don't go anyplace, Brian. Let's flesh this out a little bit. Can we do that? Can we flesh it out? So tell me what you're hearing. Are you, are you telling me that we as a church are supposed to just allow and overlook those who are living in sin? Is that what's being said? So tell me what you're hearing. Because there's a tension that can rub in here. Somebody talk to me for a second. I'll try to hear you. I can't hear that well, so. Be sensitive to other people, mm -hmm. where they're coming from. Don't, don't do what? Don't attack those that are different. 
Okay. Don't assume. That's exactly right. Yeah. There are things that are non-essential. There is one thing that is essential, and that's our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. Sin is sin, but there are a lot of things that we have a tendency to, to bring to the top, and we elevate that are nothing more than preference. Be careful. Be careful. What divides and what you see so many tensions in churches because Churches many times are not divided over theology. They're divided over preferences. Color of paint on the wall. Listen, I've told you, I don't care what color the paint is. Paint it pink if that's what you want to do. I don't really care whether or not you have pews or, or type of music. Those are all prefer preferential things. Keep the main thing the main thing. What's the, what, it, what, what, is, what else do you hear being said today? Act in love. Act in love? Yeah. Act in love. Spiritual maturity is not exercising our freedoms for our personal indulgences. Spiritual maturity is willing to be able to forego those freedoms that we have for the sake of unity and love for one another. That's important, isn't it? Constantly search the scriptures which is important, not just on Sunday mornings. Be in God's word, and when something in your life doesn't align, being, be willing to make those adjustments and changes and alter. Anybody else? Yes, Chris? Chris says, know what is essential. When you know what is essential, then you know what's not essential. Anybody else? In, in the basis of all of what Paul is saying, can you, can you just get a picture of what Paul is saying to the church and the tensions that would have existed because of those Jews that were coming to Christ that had been raised in their Jewish faith, in the roots that they would have had, they would have not have come to Christ any different than the Gentiles that were turning to Christ. They would have come by faith. But the Gentiles would have had no understanding at all to any of the rules and any of the guidelines that God would have given to his chosen people. They would have been oblivious to that. And so there was this huge tension because the Jews were looking down and saying, well, why aren't you doing this and why aren't you doing that? And all of a sudden there was this this tension and this angst that was there. Can you imagine what it's like for those who have been raised in the church all of their life and all of a sudden somebody comes in from the outside, they have no idea of what you're talking about or how you do church or the way that you do church. They're just, they just know that, man, there's something within me that's changed. I want to trust and follow Jesus. And they come and they, and they want to be a part. And then all of a sudden they come in and then the churched people bring out all the rules of, well, you got to do this, 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 this. Are you with me? Can you sense the tension and the anxiety that's there? So you've got people that are turning, turning to Christ as they, would in the, as, as they would in the New Testament. Well, they must be circumcised. Well, they must be do this. And, well, you have to, and they said, no, it's by God's grace through faith that we're saved, not of works.
We must just be aware of this. Must be aware. And I think one of the huge things for us is may we be known as a people that are not fussing about all the other things that are not essential, but may we stay focused on that which is essential, and that's Jesus. That's Jesus. May we be willing to risk the relationships when a person who calls himself a believer continues to live in sin, that which the Scripture dictates is sin, that which is morally wrong, and the Scripture teaches us that. May we be willing to, to risk, or may I be willing to risk a relationship with Rob and look him in the eye and go, bro, you're out of place. What can I do to help you? Is there something I can do with you? To have that conversation with Philip or, or have it with Mike or whoever it may be, may we be willing to have those conversations not because we're right, but because we're his. Don't you think that the world is looking for a place like that? Go live that way. We'll talk more about it next week in chapter 15. God bless.